Today we are beginning in earnest a 10-month journey to discover what hope is. Last month was kind of a primer. If you were here, we began to talk about hope is, and, and we began to understand something of the greatness of God. We walked through Matthew chapter 9, and we saw that, that there's this reality. And what we're going to do for the next 10 months is we're going to walk through the epistle of 1 John. And we're going to see over and over that there is every reason for us to believe in Jesus and to know what hope is. Hope is our risen Christ. He is our King. He is our Lord. And I want to encourage you to bring friends with you. Bring family with you. Let them hear the gospel. Let them hear it sung. Let them hear it said so that they can experience something of the greatness of God. And I want to encourage you to share what hope is. We're going to continue to do this as, as long as it's, it's, it's meaningful. Get on social media. Hashtag hope is. Stories, quotes, songs, anything that you know, anything that you're learning, anything that you can see, that you can say, that will help people know what hope is, and continue to pray. Last week, Dr. Boyd was here to challenge us with a 30-30 challenge. If you weren't here, I want to encourage you to take that challenge. Simple. 30 days, 30 minutes, every day, in the Word and in prayer. I want to encourage you in this, and so know those of you who signed up last week, we're getting together an email list. I'm going to be emailing you. You've seen some of the stuff on social media, resources I want to recommend to you. But if you want to sign up for 3030, just uh, do it by email, 3030challenge at lhbg.org. We'll get you on the list, and we'll make you aware of, of different opportunities, different ways that you can be praying and studying God's Word, and resources that are free that you can access online that I use, and I am, I am blessed to, to have at my disposal. I do want to also say to you, with Dr. Boyd's coming last week, he was meant to be a catalyst for us to understand the power of prayer, and to hear stories of how God has answered prayer in specific ways when His people humble themselves and say, we believe. We believe the, that you are who the Bible says you are, and we believe in the power of prayer and in obedience to you, we're going to pray. And so we're going to hope together on the third Wednesday night of each month, and I want to ask you to be here. I want to ask you to come, if you can, for dinner, 5.30 to 6.30, sit with your small group, sit with your friends. If you don't know anyone, come and sit and meet folks, have some fellowship. We're going to stay around those tables around 6.30. We're going to get started. We're going to have the Lord's Supper together around tables. We're going to teach some on prayer, and then we're going to pray. And then we'll have a little more time of fellowship until you have to go. And so I want to encourage you, head to the 1040 Cafe or go online and buy your tickets for dinner. And, and even if you can't make it for dinner, come and be a part of this, this prayer and fellowship time that is going to be vital to, to the work I believe God has called us to do. Because the power is not in us. The power is in God as we pray and ask Him to move, and I want to encourage you to be a part of that. We have a ton of stories that we're going to be sharing. You heard some stories last week through Dr. Boyd's life, but we have stories in the lives of our own people. And today I want you to hear one of those. Terry McDaniels is a dear friend of mine. Terry, would you mind coming up? And uh, Terry's had an experience uh, in his life over the past few years, and I asked him if he would share it with us. So, Terry, tell us what happened. It was March 2008. I started getting some bruising on my lower extremities, knees down, and uh, very painful to touch. From that point, my, a couple months later, I started losing all of my energy. I mean, I would come in from work at 4.30, 5 in the afternoon. I'd tell my wife, I'm going to take a nap. And, I mean, I wouldn't wake up until the following morning when it was time to go to work. So, May of 2008, I got diagnosed with a disease called Wegner's granulomatosis. I'll never forget when he got it. I was in Virginia. I was at a mission board conference, and he called, and we started talking about it. And this was serious. We didn't know where it was going to go. But God showed up. What did you see God do? 
It was amazing. I mean, he stepped in really fast for us. And what I mean by us, my wife and my son have been the rocks for me. They have been with me on this whole journey every single, every step of the way. And along with them, the church family, our extended family and friends, the prayers, the prayer support has been unbelievable. I will never be able to say thank you enough for all of the prayers that have went up for, our, for me and our family. A couple of things I'd like to share with you is one afternoon I received a phone call from a friend in the neighborhood and asked me, said, you're going to be home for a while, and how are you feeling? And I said, sure, come on up. So someone knocked on the back door, and I went to the back door, and he said, there's some people outside that want to see you. So I got Holly and Dawson, and we walked outside, and there was eight to ten people there from four different churches in our community and said, I've been praying for you. We want to pray with you. I can never say thank you enough and what that meant to me. And starting May of 2008, for the next 10 months, I took a fairly high dose of chemo every single day, an oral dose, with 80 milligram of prednisone. And uh, the prednisone, you just, you just don't sleep. Um, I was sleeping maybe two to three hours every other day. And Holly was sharing this with people at her work and, you know, just wasn't resting. So she ran into the person again and said, How's Perry resting? Is he sleeping any better? And Holly said, well, it's funny that you should ask that because he woke up this morning saying, I slept better than I have in several weeks. She said, before my two kids went to bed that night, they specifically prayed for Mr. Perry to get a good night's sleep. It's, uh, again, it's, I could go on for hours telling you all those stories. I mean, we saw God answer a lot of prayers at specific times in amazing ways. What did you learn from this? What I took out of this more than anything, if, and, and I would ask this, if you tell someone you're going to pray for them, pray for them. Mm-hmm. Don't just say it. I mean, pray for them. Do it later on. But the easiest and the best way to do it is just right there. Put your hand on them. Let's pray. And from May of 2008, I, I, my motto has been, and I'd like for everyone to think this way, I have good days and better days. I refuse to have a bad day with the best yet to come. Amen. Let's affirm that testimony. That's a good word. Thank you, Terry. <clears throat> Terry really began to attest to the power of prayer. He had a friend who was dying, and Terry called him. He wanted to come visit him. He couldn't because of the condition that the man was in. And he said, well, can I pray for you? Terry prayed for salvation. Terry prayed the gospel as he was talking with him and uh, found out after the man had died from a family member that that man had come to save him faith, and he's in heaven today. And I believe it's through the power of prayer. And through the sharing of the gospel, it's those Two simple things. When you see God at work, the, the hope that fills your heart leads you to be helpful. You become hopeful so you can be helpful. And the greatest help that you can be to anyone is to pray for them and then to share the truth with them. The truth of who Jesus is. And that's what we want to look at as we're walking through this year. As we walk through this epistle, through 1 John, what we're going to see is, is who Jesus is is and what Jesus has done. And when you believe that, changes everything about your life. It will lead you to pray. And the more you pray, the more you will see God at work. And when the more you see God at work, the more you will believe and the more you will pursue. And my goodness, what a joy that will be. We're going to be studying 1 John. Here's what you need to know about 1 John. It was written by by the Apostle John. He was writing to what we believe was Ephesus and some other churches, but he had a reason for writing. Those churches, those people were being taught that Jesus was not real. 
They were being taught that Jesus was an idea. That, that there was a sense of secret knowledge, if you will, that, that they needed to have, but they did not need to have this belief that Jesus was who the, the writers of the Gospels and what the apostles had taught, that he was truly God who became man to, to, separate, to set people free from their sin. They were being told not to believe that. So the, the writer, the apostle John, is writing to the church to say, Jesus is real. And because Jesus is real, hope is real. We're going to be studying the first five verses over the next few weeks. And so if you would right now, take your Bible. If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, take it out and turn to 1 John. If you didn't bring your Bible, there's one in the pew right in front of you. best way to get there is go to Revelation and, and hang a left. Go to 3rd, 2nd, and 1st, right? And, and come to 1 John. And uh, I'm going to ask Miss Emma Harmon if she would come. And she's going to read verses 1 through 5 for us. Let's all stand together in honor of God's Word. Today the sermon will be from verse 1, but we're going to go ahead and read all five verses as we, as we walk through this series. So if you would, read verses 1 through 5 for us. That which was from the beginning we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and touched with our hands, concerning the Word of life. The life was, manif- was made manifest, and we have seen it, and to testify it, and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us, that which we have seen and heard we proclaim to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. The Word of God. Thank you, Emma. If you would, go ahead and be seated. Let me encourage you to... Look on the back part of your bulletin or open the church app and uh, follow along as we walk through this text today. This hope is real. It's not just a pretend hope. It's a real hope. It's a real hope for real people in the real world. But the only way this hope works is when you put yourself completely in dependence upon the one of whom the, is the giver of hope, Jesus Christ. I need to tell you something that's going on with me just in case you start hearing rumors, all right? This afternoon, just in, in a couple of hours, I, I'm going to be leaving. I'm going to Las Vegas. Really. And uh, the elders gave me last week's offerings. They want to see what I can do. I'm just kidding. That is not true. That is a joke. Do not tweet that. That is not hope is. <laughs> hope is Pastor Jay in Vegas with the hope. No. No. What is happening is I'm a, I'm a trustee for the North American Mission Board, and we are planting a ton of churches in Nevada and Utah. And so we're going as a board to investigate uh, what, what is going on there. Uh, I don't know if you guys have heard or not, but there's a, there's a, um, there's a little football game going on tonight. And uh, so there's a little bit of activity around it. Quick show of hands. Who thinks that they're going to do it twice? Who thinks Seattle's going to pull it out two in a row? Not a lot. How many think that uh, the Bilicek Brady deflated footballs can uh, can pull this one out? Think there'll be any uh, uh, air thermostat guides in the uh, in the uh, building today? I, I, I think so. How many of you just just really don't care who wins one way or the other? Yeah, probably going to be watching the Puppy Bowl a little bit later tonight. Yeah, checking that out, seeing what Fluffy can do. I got it. 
I got it. Well, you know, where I'm going to be tonight, it's going to be it's going to be crazy. We're probably going to get there after the craziness. But talking to a friend of mine, I, I, I discovered just the horrific realities of gambling and what it does. And he, he was sharing with me that that on this night that there will be more people throw their lives away than any other night on gambling. People tonight so sure of what they think is a sure thing that they're going to put everything they've got on a team or a coin or a coin toss or or maybe the outcome of the first quarter even. I couldn't believe the things that were betted on. And they're going to risk it all. They're going to put everything they've got into that. And I think, what a terrible decision. What a terrible decision. First of all, to think that any amount of money, something you could buy or bet, could ever fill you with hope. But secondly, why would you put everything you've got into something that you can't keep? Even if you win. You lose. What we're talking about is hope. We're talking about hope in a person that will remain steadfast, someone that, that, that will transform you. But this hope, the hope is Jesus, but you can't, you can't just have him as an idea and you can't have him as simply an institution or an ideology. It doesn't give a hope that way. And I know some of you, you're not believers and, and you question you know, the reality of the faith. I want to make sure you're asking the right questions though. Because listen, I question ideologies. I question institutions. I, I question theorems and, and theories. But I have come to the realization that Jesus really is God. And He really does save. And because that is true, hope is real. And that's what we see in our text today. We see why hope is Real. So let's look at this together. Take note if you can. Hope is real, first of all, because the divinity of Jesus is real. Jesus really is God. It says here in verse 1, that which was from the beginning. Now that, that first part of the first verse of the epistle, 1 John, draws us back in our thinking, it should anyway, to the first verse of the first chapter of the Gospel of John. This is where we read again. In the beginning was the Word, the Logos, the ultimate reality. And the Word, Logos, was with God, and the Word, the Logos, was God. This first verse in the epistle is drawing us back to the first verse of the Gospel. And the first verse of the Gospel is drawing us back to the first verse of the book, of the Bible. What do we read in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1? In the beginning. Interestingly, the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Old Testament, it's the exact same phrase in Arche. It's the same phrase that you see in the Gospel of John, verse 1. But again, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, there was God. A God who is Father, Son, and Spirit. In the beginning was the Logos, the ultimate truth. Jesus Christ was there. And because Jesus is God, we have a holy mediator. We have one who stands between us and God who is holy. Here's the thing. We are all going to stand before God. The question is, are you going to stand on your own or are you going to stand with a mediator? You're going to stand before God. And if you're going to stand on your own, you've got to understand, you're going to have to bring to God either complete righteousness and holiness that you have earned because you've never sinned or you're going to run into the justice of God and the the punishment for that is eternal because He's an eternal God. But for those who believe, 
we have a holy mediator. So that when God sees us, He sees Christ and His holiness and His righteousness and the redemptive work He's done so that we are forgiven. We have a holy God who is our mediator. We have a sovereign God who, is, who has power beyond measure. There's no end to His knowledge. He is a great and mighty God. There is none like Him. And He loves us. We have this holy mediator who has no end to his power and might and wisdom and knowledge and he loves us and he cares about us listen just because god is sovereign that doesn't mean that we're not going to go through pain jesus told us in this world you will have tribulation you're going to have difficulty but here's the good news here's the hope we never go through it alone jesus cares about what you're going through and here's something i want you to understand He not only cares about it, He understands it. God became flesh. God became one of us. He knows what it is to hunger. He knows what it is to hurt. He knows what it is to be tempted. He knows what it is to have friends turn against you. He knows what it is to have difficult family. He knows what it is to go through heartache and pain. He knows it and yet was without sin. He knows what you're feeling and what you're going through. And He has victory over every circumstance you and I will ever face. And the good news and the hope is, is that this God who loves us and cares about us, this God who is man, chose to be a part of our lives. The Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 14, look what it says. And again, the Word, the Logos, the ultimate truth, the ultimate reality, Jesus And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That means He housed among us. He tabernacled. He lived in us, with us. And we have seen His glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is what I love about our God. He not only came and lived the holy life we couldn't live. Not only does He come to care for us and lead us and guide us. He comes with grace and truth. You know why most people don't want to accept Jesus? You know, our culture wants to reject Jesus and does reject Jesus and almost wants to make Jesus illegal to even talk about in culture because of the truth he brings. When Jesus talks, he tells us the truth. And the truth is, we're no good on our own. We sin. We cause pain. We hurt ourselves and others. That's the truth. But here's the grace. God loves us still. He will forgive us our sin. And this holy mediator, this all-powerful God who cares about us and loves us will live in us. He will dwell with us and He will guide us through life. And He will bless us because He is God. Hope is the divinity, the divinity of Jesus. It is real. Also, the hope is real because the Word of Jesus is real. He came in grace and truth. He came with the Word Jesus came to proclaim the gospel. And his words were authenticated by his power. Again, Matthew chapter 4, verse 23. Why did Jesus do all these miracles? To authenticate the reality of what he said. And he went through all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel, that is the good news of the kingdom. And then look what he did to authenticate his message. And healing every disease and every affliction among the people. He came and said, the gospel will heal you. The gospel will will mend what is broken. The gospel will take what is dead and give life. And then he proved it through his miracles. He took what was broken and he healed it. He, He took what was hurting and he made it right. He took what was dead and brought it to life. That is the power of the word of God. 
the Word of God has the power to bring healing, to bring life, to make things that are whole. And I know there are those who would say, I would love to hear, just hear the Word of God. Do you want to hear the Word of God? Do you want to hear God's voice? Then read the Bible out loud and you will. This is the Word of God. These are the words of our Holy Lord. And what you're reading is not just words on print. It's not just something in your tablet or iPad. This is a living, active reality. This is what it says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. The Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the, to the division of the soul and spirit of joints and of marrow and just the discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Listen, when you read the Word of God, you find that the Word of God is reading you. It gets down and understands who you are. It reveals who you are. It shows who God is. And there is a purpose in it. Here's what is amazing to me. Friends, I have a doctorate degree in this stuff. I've been studying in multiple languages for years. And every day as I open the Word of God, it speaks to me afresh and anew. Why? Because it's alive. The Word of God is alive because these are the words of God. And the Word of God has the power to give life, to cause transformation. And so when you're reading the Word of God, understand you're reading something that's reading you. You're reading something that is not just mere print. It's alive and it is active. And here's what blows me away every day. It has a purpose. It has a purpose. How many of you have opened the Word of God and, and read something you read before, but in light of your, that, a circumstance you were in at the time, blew you away that it was true and amazing? You know why that is? Because God has a purpose for His Word. Here's a promise, Isaiah 55, 11. So shall my Word be that goes out from my mouth, and it shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which, which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. God has a purpose for every verse, for every word in His Bible. And when we read that Word of God, it transforms us. It reads us. We see what we are. We see who we are. We see who He is. And then by the power of the Holy Spirit, there is life and transformation and healing. And this Bible, it's got to be a part of our lives. The Bible in our lives, and, and I want you to hear me when I say this, and I don't want you to take offense at this, and I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm saying either. The Bible in our lives... You've got to read it systematically. Devotions are good, but they cannot replace Bible study. Listen, I have devotions. And I love devotions. And I have several of them that I read every day. But that will not replace the Word of God. The words of men about the Word of God is not the same as the Word of God. It is the Word of God that is active and living. It is the Word of God that will penetrate your soul. You must systematically study the Word of God and ask God to change, to change you with His Word. Before you read, pray. While you're reading, pray. After you're done reading, pray. And then repent of what it reveals needs to be changed in you. Be ready for this living Word to do something in your heart and mind. There is a purpose for which God has sent it. Anticipate His purpose. Anticipate a change. And then think through its implications and come to some theological and personal conclusions. Listen, the more you read God's Word, the more you're going to understand who God is and who you are. And so read God's Word 
and understand it and then understand the rest of the world in light of what that word says? How do you look at pain? How do you look at terrorism? How do you look at success and pleasure? How do you look at uh, economic downturns and job loss and, 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 and criticism and chaos? And, and, and how do you deal with conflict? How do you view those? If you're not looking at them through the lens of the Word of God, I can assure you, you're looking through it through the lens of your emotions, which will change and are often wrong. You must know the Word of God. You must allow the Word of God to define what is true. Allow the Word of God to change you, to determine what you see, how you see the world, and then pray through what it says and means, how it is at work in you, and how it needs to be at work in you. Go ahead, and every time you read, pray, and ask God to reveal to you what it is. And as you do, you will experience the life of Jesus. And that's what hope is. Write it down. Hope is real because because the life of Jesus is real. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes. You know, if we if we lived in Jesus day with our current technology, we would have taken a selfie with Jesus. and, And then we would have tweeted and said, me and Jesus, my homeboy, yo. You know, and you would have had the thing, right, going, whatever, you know, whatever you used. Heart, I don't know, it just, it would depend on the day, right? But, you know, they didn't have that. All they had was word of mouth. And so what do we see happening is we see John saying to these guys, we, we have heard. We have seen with our eyes. And what did they see? They saw the miracle of God. They saw the fulfillment of the promise of God. You know, you've heard me say this, the Bible is not a collection of stories or sayings. It's a single story. It has four parts. Creation, fall, rescue, restoration. What's what's John the Apostle, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, what's he saying that they've seen? They've seen the rescue. They've seen the gospel. Yes, there was there was a time when there was harmony at creation. But now there's there's pain and suffering. Why? Because of the fall. What did God do? He chose to rescue us. And one day he's going to restore all things. But John here in this epistle, he's saying, we saw him rescue all who believed. How did he rescue them? By dying on the cross to pay for sin. And on the third day, being raised. And that's, that's what hope is. Hope is real because, write it down, the resurrection of Jesus is real. They not only saw Jesus live a holy life, die for sin, and be buried but on the third day, he was raised. And they said, this, this God, this, this one which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands. They're now talking about the reality of the fact that they touched the resurrected Christ. They saw him. We read about this in John chapter 20, verse 19. After his death and burial and resurrection, it says... Jesus came and stood among them. Notice the plural again. John keeps saying we. Now in his writing here in the gospel, he's talking about them. He's talking about groups of people. And said to them, peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. It wasn't just one eyewitness. It wasn't just dozens of eyewitnesses. It wasn't just hundreds of eyewitnesses. It was thousands of eyewitnesses. After Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, he remained for 40 days and provided convincing proofs that he had been raised from the dead. Acts chapter 1, verse 3. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs. 
appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. Now, I know there's some who say, well, you know, weren't they lying? Couldn't they have been lying? No one dies for a lie. You die for the truth. No one dies for a lie. These men were told, deny the resurrection of Jesus and you can live. And over and over, they gave their lives. Remember, this epistle that we're reading, by the time it is being written, all the other apostles have died because of their belief in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He is saying now, we, 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 who is he speaking of? The thousands of disciples who saw the resurrected Christ, the ones who realize that, that we now have hope because Jesus is alive and he will guide us through life. And because Jesus is alive and has conquered death, we have hope even in death. Hope is real because the salvation of Jesus is real. That which we have seen, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. Jesus is the word of life. He is the anchor. Listen. Everything else in your life is going to change. Your looks are going to change. Gravity is going to do its job. Everything's going to change. Everything. Your relationships are going to change. You are going to change. Your mental capacity is going to change. Your physical capacity is going to change. The world is going to change. Nothing will stay the same. You think the last five years we've seen change? Wait till we get to the next end of the next five. You know what will never change? The anchor that holds within the veil, Jesus Christ, our Savior. Hebrews 6, verse 19. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. A hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain. Where's he talking about? He's talking about heaven. He's talking about this this place that is now available to us. Why? Because when Jesus died, we just sang about it. When Jesus died, the curtain of the Holy of Holies was torn from the top to bottom. Not bottom to top. It wasn't we who tore the curtain to gain access. It was God who tore the curtain from the top to the bottom that we might have access to His presence. This anchor that holds. It's a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf having become a high priest forever in the, in the order of Melchizedek, we have the one who was promised. Hope is real because of the promise of God. And the promise has been fulfilled in Jesus Christ, if you will believe. You say, how can I believe? Friends, I sat in church for many months listening to solid biblical preaching, and I couldn't come to terms with how I could believe. Let me show you how you can believe. The simplest way I know. You've heard of this. Be reminded, if you've never heard of this, draw this for yourself, okay? Three circles. Inside of each circle, put God's design, brokenness, gospel. Say, how can I believe this story? How can this change my life? Well, first of all, you have to understand God's design. It's one God who created all things to be in harmony. But there was a fall, and our world is now broken. Why? Because of sin. So draw an arrow and, and put it there. Sin. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the consequences of that sin is brokenness. 
Our relationship with God is broken because of our sin. Our relationship with ourself is broken because of our sin. It's why we're never happy. It's why we're always trying to prove ourselves. It's why, it's why we're always looking for others to approve us and to tell us what we need to think about ourselves. Because we're broken. That's why there's so much conflict and so much pain. Because of sin, there's brokenness. But God did not abandon us. He promised He would come and rescue us. And that's the gospel. That's the good news. So if we will repent of our sin, repent of a life on our own, and say, God, I'm not going to go on my own anymore, but I will believe that Jesus Christ is God, that He died to pay for my sin, that He has been raised and is alive and is now the anchor that will hold in heaven, that will never be moved, that will never change, that will be with me forever, you'll be saved. And then you will have the freedom and the power of the Holy Spirit that gives you life to recover and pursue God's design. This is salvation. This is our hope. And this hope is real. And some of you need this right now. And there's not a person in this room that doesn't know someone who needs it. And so write this down and remember, the people you know where you live, work, learn, and play, they need you to do something. Write it down. To lead them. Not suggest to them. Not show them. Not occasionally say to them, lead them to anchor their life and hope in Jesus. You must lead them. And it's not enough that you shared with them once. It's not enough that you asked them one time or a few times. You must pray for them day in, day out. You must share with them over and over again. It took me months before I came to the point of, of understanding my need for salvation. And then more months to actually come to the place of repentance and belief to be saved. And there are others that you know, they need you to lead them, to walk with them, to show them the way, and to pray that the, that the God that we worship will do exactly what He promised He would do. Knowing that hope is real. Hope is real because of the promise of God. And God has said He will save all who believe. And this morning I wonder, do you believe? Some of you today needs to be the first step in your journey down the narrow path that leads to heaven. I want to invite you to come and get on your knees and simply say to God, God, I believe. I turn away from a life on my own. I give my whole life to you. I want to live for you. Here's what I know about some of you who prayed that prayer. You're struggling. You're struggling to be in His Word. You're struggling to be that light. You're struggling with your own hope. You need to come and get on your knees and just tell Him. And ask Him to give you hope. And here's what I want you to remember. What is impossible with man is possible with God. And what I want to encourage you to do is stop depending on yourself and start depending on God in prayer. And begin it right now. Ask God to do a miracle, not just in you, but here's what I know about almost everybody in this room. You have a family member. You have a friend who's hurting. They have an addiction. There's brokenness. There's only one hope. It's a living hope. It's an anchor of the soul. He is Jesus Christ. He is God who became flesh, who died for our sins, on the third day was raised, is now at the right hand of God, who is now interceding for all who believe. And if you will come to Him on your knees and ask Him according to His will, and His will is to save, then ask what you will and He will grant it. Do you believe? Let's pray.
pray. Let's stand together as we do. Father, right now I know there are many who are thinking, I know this, I need this. God, give them right now the faith to receive this. Some to come and get on their knees and be saved. Others to come and get on their knees and pray what they've maybe prayed before. Maybe what they haven't prayed in a while. Maybe what they've never prayed. Asking you to do a miracle in their own soul, in their own mind, in their own life. Or maybe in the life of their, their loved ones, their friends, their families. Folks they go to school with or work with. Father, you know the needs that are all around us. And we know, God, that you have sovereignly chosen to make us aware of the power of prayer and the truth of the gospel. So now, Lord God, we have a moment to act on this prayer, to pray to you on our knees, believing your word and trusting your purpose. So God, hear us as we praise you. Hear those who come to pray now in Jesus' name. Amen.